So is pettiness enough of a thing so that it's a thing? I guess that's kind of a nose question, right? Like how big a cultural force is pettiness? We'll explore it in several of its manifestations today on The Nose, our cultural roundtable. We'll also talk about a new, not particularly petty, single by Carly Rae Jepsen with a very interesting accompanying video. And we'll also talk about Bodyguard, a smash hit uh, in the UK, now making its way to Netflix, where it's also very popular. It stars the guy who played Rob Stark. That either means something to you or it doesn't. It's a very interesting look, too, uh, at inside British criminal justice. We'll talk about that and everything else after the news. And then Dorothy wakes up, and she's in bed back in Kansas. Shut up. Oh, and then the farmhands are standing around her bed, and she realizes that they were the lion and the tin man and the scarecrow. I'm telling you to shut up. Unless it's different. I mean, unless she stays in Oz and she marries a flying monkey. Are you messing with me? Because I could really see that happening. She marries the monkey, and they have these cute little flying kids. But she doesn't, because it's the first ending. What kind of sick person are you? You've been doing this for days, wrecking things for me. Now if I watch The Great Gatsby, I already know he turns out to be Batman. <laughs> I went on this expedition because I wanted to study penguins. And it turns out there aren't even any penguins here, you crazy, sadistic, incompetent weirdo. Yeah, I chose the East Pole because the South Pole is melting and the North one is covered with elf feces. Speaking of that, Lord of the Rings, they destroy the Ring of Power, but Aragorn loses a primary to Eowyn Ocasio-Gimli. Oh, the crying game. The woman he's been making out with has a... Stop. Shut up. I am going to hurt you. How about Sixth Sense? The psychiatrist is treating a kid who sees dead people, but it turns out one day, polar bear. That one you're definitely making up. No way a polar bear shows up in a psychiatrist's office. No, uh, that's, a, that's a real polar bear. <laughs> Today on The Nose, we take a long, hard look at petty behavior, and we watch a Netflix series called... Oh, good. The bear caught up with Corporal Farnham. Tearing his carcass apart will take hours. Where was I? A series called Bodyguard. And now, the guy who spent the whole morning writing in a notebook, Carly Ray McEnroe, Mr. C.R. Jepson, and stuff like that. Colin Jepson McEnroe. I, I do like Carly Rae Jepsen. Um, all right, so uh, we are going to talk a little bit later, fairly soon, about Carly Rae Jepsen and also about two scientists, uh, two polar scientists who got into a fight because one of them was, in fact, deliberately spoiling the endings of things because there's nothing to do up there. Uh, uh, let me tell you who else is here. Uh, but before I do that, uh, let me welcome you to our special I'm Not the Queen, You're Allowed to Touch Me edition of The Nose uh, featuring Rebecca Castellani, a scholar of modern literature, Tanisha Dugan, producing associate at Theater Works, Bill Usman, uh, a professor of media studies at Sacred Heart University, uh, and indeed, um, I'm not the queen. You're allowed to touch me. Uh, comes from bodyguard. Perhaps, the, but just try saying it to anybody this weekend, even if it's a total stranger. Just say, "I'm not the queen. You're allowed to touch me." See what they do. Um, 
Before we get going, I'm supposed to mention a couple of things here. On Tuesday, November 13th, so that's like a week from Tuesday, uh, we will be doing a stand-up comedy special at CT Improv Theater. We're going to do a show about stand-up comedy, but we thought what we would do is have stand-up comics, uh, including uh, regular nose panelists, Sean Murray and Carolyn Payne. Uh, they will be there doing stand-up uh, along with a couple of other stand-ups. And then we'll sit down and talk about what stand-up comedy is like. We'll, ha- we'll kind of record a show there. But you could just come and watch the whole thing and you pay a whole $5 at the CT Improv Theater in Hartford. Uh, and what do I have to tell them about that? Uh, check our Facebook page, Colin, The Colin McEnroe Show Facebook page for information about tickets and like how you're gonna, ever going to come up with it. $5. Um, also, just very quickly, there's a, a survey monkey poll about the Colin McEnroe Show. Something we're using to see if we can uh, get rid of things you don't like and do things that you do like. Uh, And you can find it on the Colin McEnroe Show Facebook page or lots of other places, like my own personal Facebook page. It's the big green kind of blocky looking thing. So far, the most frequently said thing is that I talk too much. So I might not be talking very much today. So um, let's get going here. And let's get going with a little bit of music. Carly Rae Jepsen, she of the ultimate earworm, call me maybe. She's got her first album out uh, in more than three years. There's a single out. It's called Party for One. It's got an interesting video. Uh, But before we get to that, or I should say video, before we get to that, let's hear the song. There aren't that many other themes that develop. Um, so uh, let's start with somebody who, for whom Carly Rae Jepsen was the crucible, a crucible of pop music appreciation, Rebecca Castellani. This takes you back to your college days. It does. I distinctly remember where I was. I was in the library trying to write a paper, and a friend just leaned over with an earbud and said, just try this on. And we listened to Call Me Maybe, I think, three times in a row. And then after that, you just couldn't go to a party without hearing it pretty much every hour on the hour. It appealed to everybody. Everyone loved it, even people that didn't really like pop music or parties loved Call Me Maybe. (laughs) It just was, it was an earbug. I mean, everyone had it in their head. It was a silly song. It didn't really make sense. Uh, It was just silly and good pop music, and we loved it. How about this? I mean, it's hard to get that lightning in a bottle again. There may never be another Carly. uh, I mean, it's no Call Me Maybe, maybe. but I mean, I think she's had a pretty decent career of, of pop music. I mean, it is pop. It is as poppy as pop can get. You can (laughs) still play, you can hear it, and it's an earbug, but it's not as poppy as uh, Call Me Maybe. I mean, she technically is a very talented vocalist. I think the production of her um, albums has been great. Emotions was a fabulous album. That was, I think, three years ago now that came out. 
Um, she's really made a little niche for herself, especially um, in the gay community. I, I know that she's very, very popular, and the video for this um, features some wonderful LBGTQ uh, plus stars. So I, I think that you know she's found what works for her, and she's and she's sticking with it. And we have to talk about the video uh, as we go along here too. But but Tanisha, I don't maybe just start as a song, and then we'll get to the. She's video. just like turn this off. <laughs> no, I mean it's totally, it's perfectly fine. First, I am amazed at all the things you know about this artist. Like you could reference other albums. Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't. What, what year was it that this that Call Me Maybe came? 2012. Out? Okay. I don't even know what I was doing at that point. So this, you know, I she's she's fine and she's fun and she's cute and you know, the song's cute. All right, well, <laughs> we'll we'll move on to Bill. We'll come back to the the video. I think uh, it's it cuter. Requires some pulling apart too. The video and is worth cuter. Pulling apart of it. And Bill, if you don't feel like talking about the song, you can get us started on the video. Well, I I like the song, and I might be the only person in the Western Hemisphere who hated. Call me baby, and it just made me feel like just a cranky old Party man. Party of two. Party <laughs> oh, you hated it too. <laughs> I knew I liked you, um, but my wife loved the song, so we almost got divorced over it. <laughs> um, that's a sad story. I was alone in a hotel room. And, uh, I like it. I like this one a lot better, actually. I know that's blasphemy. How dare I? No. Uh, but I, I like it as a song. All right, yeah, so, I could see that. This yeah. one has a lot more. I like uh, the texture. burbling electronics. Yeah, exactly. I think that's yeah. kind of cool. Yeah, I think this one has yeah. a lot more texture. Um, if it obviously feels more mature than um, yes. "Call Me Maybe," which makes sense for where she is. Though that opening moment mm-hmm. sounds a little bit like the beginning of "Call Me Maybe." I think if you go back and compare the two, I think there's some mm, sonic I similarities. If that's on I think so. Mm. I think it's a little callback. So maybe you like "Call Me Maybe" better than you thought. No, I don't. <laughs> uh, so uh, the video is interesting. So the video, uh, which we cannot fully recreate for you here, shows Carly Rae Jepsen checking into a hotel. The first thing that you see is the person checking her in uh, is uh, inexplicably for most of us uh, planting her face <laughs> in a loaf of bread and kind of rolling it back and forth. So I don't look this one up, Rebecca. I didn't exactly understand what was going on here. Like now I do. Bread facing. Yeah, deep, bread dark face. world of bread facing. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's in vain with the ASMR trend. It's a viral video phenomenon that was popular about a year ago. There's something called a bread face blog. This person invented this whole thing where she uh, does this and, and now other people do it and take uh, videos of themselves and everything. But she's sort of – there's a person who invented this thing. It's kind of like performance art, right? Yeah, I think a little bit. Um, and a little bit of sort of like sort of, I don't know, random juxtaposition comedy. There's people who think bread is just inherently funny. I don't happen to be one of them. Uh, but there's like, you know, just the way some people think pants are inherently funny. I won't name names. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, people, some think, people think bread is funny. And so watching somebody roll their face back and forth in bread. You know. I mean, it's something telling, I think, that she starts the video with that because it's like very clearly she's restaking her flag in the ground. Yes. Like, I am current, I yep. am trending, I mm-hmm. am viral, I am Lots all of, of the things. Lots of little Easter that, eggs for people yeah. in the know. Yeah. 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 People yeah. not. As old as I am. Right. So then we see in this hotel. Well, and that's the, th- that's the other thing, I think. It's absolutely uh, putting her in a space of a particular age. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I, I had heard of the bread-facing phenomena, mm. but have not been following. It would, would not have been able to reference the person which it or originated. But I think that, you know, she wants us to know she's still, Hip to like, meme culture. Yeah. yeah. And, and also, that this is not going to be an entirely serious 
reflection on loneliness. This is not Indeed. some kind of Edward Hopper painting. Right. Uh, this is a Carly mm. Rae Jepsen video. It starts off with something kind of playful and stupid. And then we're in this hotel, which has a little bit of a reek of The Shining. Just I think the, the bellhop uniforms and stuff like that. So a little bit. Of, but anyway, she's in a hotel room. She's alone. Uh, she gets her Calvin Klein under. There's a lot of product placement. Absolute, absolute vodka. Calvin Klein uh, underwear, Postmate uh, food delivery. There's like, uh, but anyway, she's having a good time by herself. And then you just see other people having a good time by their by themselves. Uh, people who are black, white, gay, straight, young, old. There's this remarkable older woman who could be 80 years old. I would say she's a supermodel. Is she yeah. a supermodel? Yeah, yeah. I was trying to figure out who she was, and I will say that even if you just Google. Older woman party of one video, hmm. you you get a lot of stuff back that has nothing to do with this. <laughs> and like that's a surprise. Else. You get a lot of things back that you just don't want to click on. No. Uh, I, I yeah. I, <laughs> or you do. I thought I recognized her, Tanisha, from yeah. somewhere, and that's why I was trying to get the name. I, I feel can't like remember her name, but Cover Girl. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And she has like better abs than pretty much 99.9% of the population. Yes. And but. better sex toys than 99.9%. But yes, she has lots of sex toys. <laughs> so I don't know if there's that much to say. I mean, this is, you know, I mean, if we want to just do more semiotics here, and I'm not really sure that it stands up to it, but it's certainly, Rebecca, anyway, sending a slightly different message. Um, it's well, Bill. You referenced uh, "Dancing with Myself." Um, yeah, yeah. I know. think there's a long tradition of pop songs that are about, let's say, self-love, mm-hmm. um, but that's in quotes. Um, but you know, it, it isn't very serious, and yet there is something kind of serious about mm-hmm. the video, mm-hmm. and that's what makes it interesting. Hotel rooms are. I, at least I, I let me speak for myself. I find being in a hotel room by myself to be kind of a lonely experience. And yet, me too. The, well, see, that's the thing that the video yeah. does. It's also a sanctuary. Yeah. And everybody in it is using as a, using it as a yeah. sanctuary until the power goes out. Mm-hmm. I'm glad we don't have to worry about spoilers. Yeah, with spoilers this. here we don't have to worry. Yeah, we get to bodyguard. Long. Yeah. We get to bodyguard, we're going to be fighting off spoilers. So right the here. power goes out and they all come together. But then when the power goes back on, there comes that social awkwardness. And it's that mm. it's those aspects of it that I think are kind of both fun and interesting. Yeah, I, I totally picked up on on the like resolution or lack thereof mm-hmm. in this video. And I was kind of like, oh, here was an opportunity to be like a party of a bunch of singletons. And instead, you all kind of turned back to yourselves and walked into the elevator and were 10 single people in an elevator as opposed to like a community of loners, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But I think, um, which is just pessimistic, which I, I get because I think we're just in a pessimistic time. But I like my pop to be on the idealistic side. Like I like my pop to offer opportunity for us to gather together, even in our loneliness. And so I thought like, okay, I get it. You know, we've got this sort of like dark saturation of pa- of color palette. So obviously this is where it has to go, but it would have been a nice surprise. I just think there's such sublimity in being alone that we don't often see celebrated mm-hmm. in music videos. And I think for them to kind of say like, this is the joyous moment where everyone can be free in their own little square box and do whatever they want. And then that pressure of what other people are going to say or do creeps back in. And, and, you know, the woman isn't got her robe on and that makes some people maybe a little uncomfortable. That doesn't exist when you're in your own space celebrating yourself and dancing to music, eating spaghetti in a bathtub, like whatever you want to do, you can do. And I think that we don't really see a ton of that in pop music. And as someone that's deeply introverted with 
extroverted tendencies, I really resonated with me. I, I think it was mm. great. We it should say been... Robin, uh, the uh, pop singer Robin, also has a new song called Dancing on My Own. Yeah, so this song. is maybe a trend. Along with bread, it's maybe a trend. Or we we kind of have to shift gears here. I didn't even know there would be so much semiotics that you guys could do uh, <laughs> with this video. But so, yeah, pettiness is definitely a trend. Maybe it's just a trend that's been here uh, forever. Um, we we were so we sort of rounded up these things. These scientists who uh, got into a terrible fight because one of them was uh, they were s- stuck in the Antarctic in a remote post, and so one of them took to spoiling the endings of things for the other. I still think this is a very funny story, even though it ends in a stabbing. Um, uh, Fifty Cent uh, magnanimously bought two hundred tickets to Ja Rule's upcoming show just to make sure that those seats, those prominently featured seats, would be empty. And we even discovered. The Petty Hall of Fame. So, Tanisha, you know, pettiness, there's, you can't make anything new out of pettiness, right? Isn't pettiness just a sort of steady beat? It, it is. But it's always new and refreshing in the ways in which people, <laughs> you know, showcase their pettiness. I like to, I, I, I love a good petty story. I mean, the Ja Rule 50 Cent, I, I mean, I still laugh. It's hilarious. Like, how, how, like, why are you mad? And how long can you be mad for? Like, they've well, been doing this since, like, the early aughts. Right. I mean, I feel like, I feel like they're this close to being in a Neil Simon play <laughs> where they're, they're these kind of old, irrelevant guys. I yeah. mean, they're very close to being that in the hip-hop yeah. world anyway. And then they're just going to be sort of Walter Matthau and Jack Lemmon getting on each other's nerves. Oh, so good. And, and perhaps they're... they're Therein lies the future of hip hop. That we've got these two old beefs kind of playing out in this very sort of silly old way. <laughs> right. So, Bill, you really enjoyed the uh, Pettiness Hall of Fame. Uh, maybe enjoy is the wrong word. Oh, no, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm a, I'm a very, very petty person. <laughs> True reveal on the air. I, w- one of my. F- one of shall I say my most hated or my favorites is when I hold the door open for someone and they don't say thank you mm. afterwards, and that and will just closes the door back. That'll on them. just bother me for days, so I might trip them or something if I have the opportunity. I love, I I I revel in pettiness, even though I understand that it doesn't really fit with my Buddhist aspirations. They don't really go well <laughs> together. One I had just I just have to point out my favorite thing on the Petty Hall of Fame, and it's worth looking at the whole thing, is that Henry VIII invented a brand new religion just to get rid of a wife. I found that hilarious, but it's also true. That's why it's funny. That is what happened. The Um, most petty. He he wins. He's the petty king. It seems too big to be petty somehow, but maybe that's sort of the whole idea of petty, right? You leave it to Henry VIII. You take a little thing and make make it big? Yeah. yeah. So, So I really want to talk about these well, first of all, you can check out the Pettiness Hall of Fame. There's all kinds of things it's going great. in there in the world of inter- worlds of entertainment, politics, sports, uh, you name it. Um, these Antarctic guys, I'm really fascinated by this. Uh, first of all, let me just – I guess I should quickly read a, a tiny little bit more background. Uh, I may have some trouble with the names here. Uh, but uh, a scientist in a remote outpost in Antarctica plunged a kitchen knife into his colleague because he was fed up with the man telling him the endings of books say investigators. Sergei Savitsky and Oleg Belogusov uh, were avid readers to pass the lonely hours during, see, it was like the video, uh, during the four harsh years together. Four years stuck out at a remote outpost. But one of them became angry after the other one kept telling him the endings uh, and things just kind of went downhill from there. Um, You know, there is something incredibly intrusive about (laughs) 
deliberately telling somebody the endings. I'm looking at you, literature yeah. scholar. No, I mean, I definitely don't like it when somebody else spoils something for me, but I enjoy spoiling things for myself. Like, when I'm in control of the spoilers, I tend to do it, but if somebody were just to come up to me when I was reading and say, oh, by the way, in the last chapter, this right. happened, I would be furious. I probably would stop someone, to be honest. <laughs> you say, in other words, you, 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 when you say you, when you're in control, you don't mind spoiling something for no. yourself, making that autonomous decision. Right. If it's in my jurisdiction, if I've decided, you know what, I'm just, this book isn't gripping me, I need to know what happens, and maybe I'll be more interested once I know, then yeah. that's okay. But if I'm really engaged to something, like I, th- I think back to my youth reading Harry Potter, I used to lock myself in a room to make sure that nobody would bother me. Like if someone had come in here and been like, I don't even. I guess everyone's right here. Well, Dumbledore is, dies. I would have <gasps> lost you, it. Okay, wait a minute. You hit on something that Someone is really petty knife. inside of me, and it's this this spoiler alert culture we're in. Yes. Like, okay, it's one thing if something's actually happening in the present. Okay, fine. But like when we say spoiler alert like, about a movie yeah. that happened in the eighties, you know. Co- I Give feel me like someone's going to at if me, you though. have not seen this, like, center of culture, that is not my fault. I'm going to tell the story. If you have not read a, 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 a literar- literary classic at this point, I'm not going to, hey, spoiler that's alert, on you. Tale yeah. of Two Cities. Come on. I'm a little... I don't that's, know. That's Those my pet Tale of Two City spoilers. <laughs> well, <laughs> let, let me just quickly tell a story about that, even though I talk too much. But um, just very quickly, I, I, there's a guy who I know is not listening right now <laughs> because he vowed never, ever to listen to my show. He was so angry. He sent me this email. Uh, Ileana Douglas had been in studio with me, and I was probably trying to show off for Ileana Douglas a little bit. I, I plead guilty to that. But anyway, we were making some jokes about Easy Rider, which she's an Easy, uh, easy Rider. And so I, I made a little joke about the ending. So this guy emails me, and he is furious. And he says, you know, you wrecked the ending of Easy Rider for me. Um, and now this is like a really old movie. And, and so I wrote back, and I said, you know, I'm sorry, I guess, but this is a really old movie. And, like, you know, I mean, <laughs> am I supposed to worry that you don't know Romeo and Juliet both die? Or, like, you know, I, mean, I don't. And he got really mad and at which point vowed, you know, to turn off the radio if he heard a promo for my show or ever. And he just hate, will hate me for the rest of his life. Petty. So maybe he didn't know Romeo and Juliet died. I don't know. I don't know. But, Ridiculous. But I'm sort of with you. There's got to be some kind of statute of limitations here, right? You know, Or maybe not. I don't know. Well, first of all, I just have to throw in here, <laughs> Ileana Douglas once threw a piece of cake at me. Uh, really? But that's a really old story that we can't get into. Uh, um, maybe at a future uh, episode. Uh, was, it a, was it a petty? Did she, did she throw it in a... It was thoroughly a, petty. It was a petty Ooh. movie. Yeah. We were, we were both teenagers because yeah. uh, she's from here. Yeah. Um, and, but we, we really can't get into it. I love... <laughs> The spoiler God, I really want to know this yeah, story now, spoiler, like, more than anything. <laughs> <laughs> Someday, right. there are. I love the spoiler stabber. Um, I totally, I, I get him. I relate to him. There's also so you would be more likely to be the stabber in this, in a scenario. Oh, like I would definitely be the stabber. I <laughs> between told the pettiness you, and <laughs> if I hold the door open for you, yeah, that's right. I, I forgot. About and you that. don't say thank you. Um, I'm stabbing you. But there's also a million. I kept thinking of all these different jokes, like, "Hey, Sergey." Hey, Sergey, she marries him at the end. Hey, Sergey. Hey, Sergey. They burn Tara to the ground. Like I love. There's just a. We could. We could make a whole genre of jokes about the spoiler stabber. 
Right. Spoilers. Well, I feel like it has to be part of astronaut training from now on, too. It's kind of like like one thing that they maybe hadn't thought of, but you're up at the space station for like a a year. Petty prep. Neil Armstrong would not have spoiled anything for anything. Right. Yeah, that's right. You cannot start wrecking the ending of Sixth Sense for people. All right. So so, um, I don't know. Is there anything else left to say about the world? I mean, we spent a lot of time reading about pettiness. I don't know. I know, Tanisha. I think you're I, allowed to be petty. I, I was gonna, I was gonna bounce that off you. I feel like you feel as though pettiness is sort of an adaptive thing that you kind of need to get through life. I think you do. I mean, I think I'd rather be upset about the small things. Yes, and you know, t- and and maybe and and complain mm-hmm. about the small things so that you can perhaps take action on the big things. So I don't know if I would go so far like as the most to innocuous. stab somebody for, for petty things. But I love a, a, a petty moment. A B session. As I, there is a I dark side. <laughs> I mentioned this in our email. There is a dark side. People have been assassinated for petty reasons. Right. Wars have True. been started for petty. And supposedly... Uh, there, well, there are people who believe that one of the reasons Trump ran for president mm-hmm. is because Obama mocked him oh, during he's the, the White petty. House correspondence dinner. He is the and petty president. In Michael Moore's new film, he claims that Trump ran for president after he found out that NBC was paying Gwen Stefani more, more than, money yeah. than he was. Mm-hmm. Do your fun. Right. Do your and, fun. And I said, no doubt that's true. <laughs> don't stab me. You see what he did there. <laughs> Please um, don't stab me. No, I think that's Thinking sort of, about it. And some of the stuff in the Pettiness Hall of Fame is really funny just because it's so weird. Did you see the one with the – I think I had read about this before. The facts that Aretha Franklin sent to, I think, Oh, we Dionne talked about that. Yeah, I, I think know. we talked it's, about yes. it one time too. That was pretty petty. Yeah. Or it was like something that had been brewing for five years too or something and suddenly she like she just faxes. So, <laughs> um, so I don't know. There are just things that – there are cankers that gnaw at us uh, and, and maybe that's what causes like Mariah gnaw. Carey? Mariah Carey is super petty. That I don't know her. That whole meme, I don't know her. Oh. All right. I don't know her. All right. Well, we have to stop because we have to get involved in um, – well, British uh, intelligence, politics, <laughs> and stuff like that. So uh, we will take a little break, and we will come back. All right, uh, we are back, uh, and welcome back to The Nose, uh, our special I'm Not the Queen, You're Allowed to Touch Me edition. Uh, That line comes from Bodyguard, a BBC series that uh, has made its way to Netflix. Uh, It's almost impossible to describe how big a television sensation Bodyguard was uh, in Britain. Uh, It was somewhere between 10 and 11 million viewers uh, at its peak. I mean, that kind of puts it up there with Doctor Who Christmas episodes and Downton Abbey finales and things like that. Uh, It stars Richard Madden, best known to most of us as Rob Stark, uh, and he plays uh, this time uh, a member of the security detail uh, of British the British police. There's a special detail that's for royalty and government nabobs. Uh, he is guarding a British, uh, somewhat conservative, hawkish uh, British Home Secretary. Uh, and, and you know, okay, this is, I don't know, can I spoil this part? I think I can spoil this part. This, this would be one? in any trailer, right? <laughs> 
This would right? No, you don't. We, do, we don't know so. what you're about to tell. Well, us. what's the basic rule of any movie that's uh, about a bodyguard where they're of opposite sexes? Oh, the the bodyguard oh, yeah. and the oh, bodyguard. Yeah. Yes, that they're going to make that sexy is time. Not yeah. a party of one. Yeah. Yes. It's not a party of one. They're going to get busy at some point. So that sort of like happens pretty quickly. Um, all right. So we had a little trouble finding a clip uh, for some reason or other uh, of this show to play. This is. I think kind of not one of the really central clips. It does not involve anybody saying, I'm not the queen, you're allowed to touch me. It is, in fact, a confrontation between David Budd, the character played by Richard Madden, uh, and uh, a, a man he knows from army days named Andy Abstead. Uh, and uh, Andy, uh, well, anyway, things uh, have kind of, uh, uh, Andy's having a lot of problems. They both have PTSD. That's basically what you need to know as you listen to this clip from episode one. I always wondered if you'd turn up sometime. Soapbox is not really my thing, mate. That's not how you were in Hellman. Yeah, it was a crazy time out there. Try to put all that behind me. You know, I'm making a proper go of Civvy Street. Put PTSD on your job application, who's gonna hire you? Right? Just because it's not visible? Mate, you can't beat it on your own. In the counselling sessions, they're really helpful. There's a bunch of us now. Good. I'm good, thanks. <clears throat> so what are you doing now? Police. Doing what? Specialist protection. Government ministers. Are you? Kidding me, you're protecting those wankers. You turn up after all this time and tell me this step about. You got a nerve, mate. I knew you'd understand. Understand what? You said it out in Helmand. We say a lot of stuff when you've seen your best mates blown to pieces. If you ever found yourself right beside one of those bastards that sent us out there, you'd just close your eyes and pull the trigger. You'd still have a face. I'd still have a family. We should say Andy's face is um, uh, mutilated. The Hellman they're are talking about all the time, obviously, is Hellman province in Afghanistan. And that's where they've been. Um, so, Rebecca, right away, you, you know, closed captioning probably is available. There are some pretty heavy uh, northern English and Scottish uh, accents there, starting with Richard Madden, which is the way that Richard Madden talks, actually. He just used his own uh, accent for this. Uh, but you should tell the story of the, uh, that you told us about uh, outside of Glasgow. Sure. So my 88-year-old 88 88-year-old grandmother um, knew about this phenomenon. She had lived in um, Scotland for over 30 years. And within minutes of watching this, she looked at me and she said, he's not from Glasgow, but he's from close outside of Glasgow. And I looked it up, and sure enough, Richard Madden is from a little town about 20 minutes outside of Paisley, uh, so that's how distinct Scottish dialects actually are. And the true Glaswegian accent, you could never cast a true Glaswegian as an actor because you just wouldn't understand a word he's saying. So as difficult as it is, sometimes he is still much better than Glaswegians. Right. But it, occasionally there are things you will miss or that are to, a little, yeah, so need to rewind or something like that. Closed captioning helps. Yes. So um, so I guess we have to start out. This is both a kind of a political paranoia thriller, uh, Tanisha, but also just kind of a action thing and a sexy time thing. I don't know. How, how did it work for you? Um, so the sexy time I was a little disappointed in. Yeah. It was kind of like, oh, that could have been more exciting. Um, I 
really dug, and, and it's actually interesting that this is the clip you guys landed on, because I was really struck by the PTSD, and I was really struck by how we use these service people and, like, literally use them over and over and over again. And I think what the relationship between um, Madden, Mr. Bud, and his charge um, reveals is how deeply embedded our disassociation with what they do and how they work and the work Mm -hmm. that they do and and what that does to them as humans uh, is. And so so that, I think, was really heartbreaking. I haven't gotten to the end of um, this show yet, but that's sort of resonating with me and sticking with me in a deep way that um, we just sort of let these people do this work um, without any um, support or thanks or appreciation or understanding um, of what that means and what that what that impacts. I think it's a really great point. Um, I should say it's a, it's a six-episode miniseries. I saw five of them, and then I stopped because I discovered that Bill really wanted to talk about the ending. So I'm sort of like, if you're listening at home, I'm your bodyguard. I'm going to throw myself <laughs> nice. in the path of Bill uh, if he tries to talk about the ending uh, so that it, it can't be spoiled. But boy, Tanisha makes such a great point about this, and there's a way in which this character, David Budd, played by Madden, he's sort of being used or attempts to use him are being made by so many people uh, that it really just seems like he's this doll that's being batted around at times. A very attractive, hunky doll, but... He is attractive and hunky. Even I can see that. Um, David Budd is caught in this maelstrom of these... Um, corrupt human beings and impersonal institutions that are just pummeling him from all sides, and he really is um, caught up in this and 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 is is victimized by this in many ways. I don't know if calling him David Budd was a deliberate um, reference to Billy Budd um, from the Melville short story about a sailor who is also caught in these terrible circumstances. That might have been on purpose, if mm-hmm. I, I, or I might be reading that into it. As a television program, I think it's quite good. It's, it's well-crafted. It's well-acted. Um, it took a couple episodes for me to really get into it, but mm-hmm. it really started to take off for me about episode three, And um, I won't spoil anything, but um, there are some things about it that I find sociologically very, very troubling um, in terms of the politics of representation. My whole career is based on the assumption that popular culture is not just entertainment, that Mm -hmm. it plays a really important role in shaping how we see and understand the world. So by the time we get to the end, I was very, very disappointed in it, it, in it doing some things that I think we really don't need right now. But I won't, I won't reveal what any of that is. I'll just kind of leave that hanging there. Mm. So I don't know, Rebecca, just riff yeah. any way you want. I mean, I think that for, to Tanisha's point, which was perfect, I mean, the PTSD thing was one of the most compelling angles. And I think more on that is the gender, uh, the way that we've treated women in the show and men. The men are often portrayed as confused. Um, they're not quite sure what's going on. They're desperate. Uh, there's a lot of anxiety that you're seeing in the male characters that the female characters don't really seem as affected by. You know, Bud's wife is a 
pillar of calm, cool, and collected, despite being have some really terrible things thrown in her face for her to deal with. Um, Julia, the home secretary, is as ruthless as a woman could be, but she's always in control. She always seems like she's the smartest person in the room. Uh, both David's bosses are strong women. And I think to shift that, where we usually see, you know, you, you think about Carrie Matheson unraveling in Homeland Season 1 and all of those issues that she brought. And it did kind of play into that hysterical woman trope. And she wasn't believed as effortlessly as Saul was because he was always in command of his feelings. And to see Bud unravel as the television show progresses and then then really not shy away from his PTSD and say, you know, this is affecting this man, but he doesn't even have the vocabulary to describe what's happening to him, what a panic attack is. And we have a real problem in this country and in other countries with how we deal with young men and their emotions and access to therapy. You know, therapy is a tool offered freely to women, and I don't really see many men being offered that same you know, leeway to feel their feelings and, and lean into their anxiety and say, you know what, I'm actually really suffering and struggling right now and keeping that on the inside. The camera angles often mimic his anxiety. They're quick and rapid movements. You can tell he's uncomfortable in rooms. He's constantly looking around. I mean, it, it was a really lovely study for me and seeing that anxiety from a really traditionally male, because he's as masculine and macho as a guy could possibly be, seeing him suffer that way was really eye-opening for me. And I think it's important to portray men with more nuance like that. Yeah. I have sort of one of these days we should talk about Carrie Matheson because I, I think what has been done with Carrie Matheson is really, really interesting and kind of radical recently. But, but so first of all, I do want to say, Tanisha, this, I think this is a kind of a great looking uh, series. I mean, it's, it's very British looking, but I mean, the, the guy, this guy Mercurio, uh, what a great name for a director uh, who, who directs it, uh, has a nice way with action stuff. There are these um, almost claustrophobic action scenes where somebody's in a car with blood all over her face and the car really is kind of containing mm-hmm. this moment of violence and can you move the car out of the way? And uh, they're just all the way, all the interiors are shot for, for what it is. It's got some nice production qualities to it. It does, and he and I, I don't know why I'm obsessed with color palettes mm-hmm. currently. Um, it just maybe where I'm yeah. thinking artistically, but but this is also really cool. Yeah, um, and I found that interesting. Um, obviously, it makes sense for what I, I think are assumptions and what I think are true environmentally about that place of the world. Um, but there's there's like the palettes are just all these sort of cool blues and greens. And so when you get these really violent moments of blood red, mm-hmm. it it is cold blood. You know, it's not warm blood. And, I, and that is such a fantastic use of visual imagery. And I, I, I applauded Mercurio in those in those ways because he he really sets us into a place of um, detached remove, which in some ways I think sets us up to be a viewer like um, the secretary. Mm-hmm. You know, she sort of puts us in that position um, to watch this thing unfold, um, which I think is really clever um, because it's you don't get particularly emotional about um, David, but you do follow him, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I don't know, but we'll just we'll say whatever you're going to say. Uh, I, I had a thing I wanted to bring up with you, but go. No, um, you can Well, what up. I wanted to bring up was sort of building on what Rebecca said, too, because, you know, that sort of power dynamic between these two lovers mm. um, is a really interesting one. She says at one point something like, please don't tell yes. me you're another man who can't handle being the less powerful person. He's 
not just the less powerful person though. This is the strapping young farmhand and the lady of the manor. I mean, he he really is in some respects, even though he he carries a gun and, and has the backing of the British government behind him theoretically, he's very much a servant. Uh, and a bodyguard is somebody who in particular sort of is obviously prepared to be the ultimate kind of servant. Um, and, and there's that interesting tension between them too. I mean, he couldn't be less powerful. His job is to jump in front of a bullet if it's coming at her. Yeah. And that's I think that's part of what she gets out of the relationship that, you know, she is uh, portrayed as, you know, kind of this steely, you know, almost like a Margaret Thatcher in training, Mm -hmm. you know, iron lady. And with him, at least least when they're in bed together, she is able to give that up and she's able to uh, let him take control of the situation in in, in some ways, although that dynamic yeah. is very complicated and interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he also, who, you know, he, you do feel for him. Mm-hmm. He was broken by his war experience and he is just kind of this, 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 you know, maybe you said earlier, Colin, like a rag doll. Um, and yet um, in, this relate and 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 the relationship with his wife. I don't think this is a spoiler. Is 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 has been destroyed, um, and so with her, he finds some power as well. So they so they both find a particular kind of empowerment um, with each other in in what are some complicated and interesting ways. Yeah, um, uh, we should just quickly say um, that Richard Madden, uh, the the male lead here, is also currently the London bookies' favorite. To become the next Bond, um, so we should what talk about. Happened to Idris? I think he just might have aged out. I don't know. He's getting a little. I, I thought he. I really aged thought he aged out. How old is Daniel Craig now? I, well, that's True they, they, story you got to start him young. Though. You got to start him young and let him run up. Yeah, I thought I always thought Idris Elba was going to be the next Bond and he was going to be great, but he's, he's getting sh- a little gray in the temples now. You I know, mean, that's okay. Be. I'll yeah. take it. I'll take Gray in the Temple's Idris <laughs> over Richard Madden. All right. So, yeah. Well, we should talk a little bit about that. I, like, I love detour. Richard Madden. Like, yeah. listen, I, w- I shipped Rob Stark harder than anybody. I love me some Richard Madden, but I do not think he's Bond. All I, right. I do not get a Bond vibe from him at all. No. Yeah. I mean, I do love in our emails how we how it was he was likened to RoboCop because I do think that there's something about the way in which he's uh, yeah. attacking his his need to be on guard all the time as a bit robotic. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wonder if that's an actor tick in general, because I don't recall Rob, his version of Rob Stark being particularly compelling other than just being real hot. Yeah. yeah, He's like genetic good looks as opposed to um, the way in which he embodied. So I don't know. Yeah. All right. Next bond. (laughs) Me? Yeah. You, yeah, you could be the next Colin Ooh, is pointing be. at me yeah. to, b- to be, be the, the next, next Bond. bond. Yeah. I feel the goatee and the hair situation I, is very Bondy. Um, I'll, I'll be the next Bond. If they, <laughs> I, I'm happy to be the next Bond. Um, but, you, do you, but do you see Richard Madden in that context? Yeah, yeah. I could see him as a Bond. It, I mean, it'd be I, go, I, going back to Connery a little bit in the sense of a little mm-hmm. bit more of a working class mm-hmm. um, style of Bond. Well, anyway, I'm not a huge Bond person. Right. Again, like I'm sorry, I'm just yeah. out of it. You know, I, I like them. to. How about the Roger Moore version of Call Me Maybe? How do you feel about that? Uh, we have to take a break, and we'll come back. That could be good. <laughs>
Today's show is produced by the Right Honorable Jonathan McPants from the Royalty and Specialist Protection Branch of London's Metropolitan Police Service and by me, Kyone Wolf. Kevin McDermott appeared in the intro. Amanda Fish is not the queen. You're allowed to touch her. The part of Bill Curry was played by Sean Bean. On Monday, Lewis Black visits the show. And now, back to Colin. I can quickly, quickly say the Lewis Black interview has already been conducted. It was conducted Wednesday, I think. Um, and it's really fun. Uh, I hope you do tune, tune in for that. It's not the whole show, but it's, I don't know, it's at least 30 minutes. So. Lewis Black is the next Bond? Lewis, Lewis Black, yeah. yes. <laughs> I just be great. Lewis Black is 70, unfortunately, so I mm. think that's sort of off the table. He's um, M. Yeah. That's right. You could be. Um, all right. So it's time to make some uh, recommendations, endorsements, whatever you want to call them. I'll just start over here with uh, Rebecca and just we'll go around the table. Okay, so my first one is um, if you're done with Bodyguard, the Netflix series A Haunting on Hill House is great. I loved it. It was really different from what I was expecting. I don't like horror. I don't watch horror movies. And it just something gravitated me towards it. I like Shirley Jackson. So I guess that was what it was. And I really was blown away by it. It was fabulous. And my second one, which is far more important than watching things on Netflix, is a direct appeal to my fellow millennials out there, and that is to please, please vote on Tuesday. You have no excuse. And more than that, take 20 minutes and educate yourself on the candidates in your district. I know you all are on Instagram sc- scrolling away for more than that every day. It does not take long. There's resources out there. You've got no excuse. That's my spiel. All right. Uh, that's a good spiel. Um, yeah, my son has watched more of the gubernatorial debates than I have. I'm kind of impressed by that. All right. So uh, what have you got to do? Um so my endorsements are sort of like call and responses to our show today. Oh. So a call and response to Carly Rae Jepsen is uh, Black Eyed Peas came out with a new album, uh, Masters of the Sun, Volume 1. It's really, really good. Um, thanks to Instagram and Questlove for telling me that album came out because I uh, realized that earlier this week. Really, really good. Check that out. Um because Jonathan suggested recipes and now I'm like low-key obsessed with recipes, you will always get a recipe endorsement from me. I've been nursing a cold over this week and so I've been having amazing hot toddies from my friends around Pearl Street. But I'm going to uh, shout out a recipe from a Connecticut in that's sort of complicated Martha Stewart. She does a really great uh, mold wine, like a white sangria, mm-hmm. a mold white sangria. I've done it before without half of the extraness because you all know Martha is extra. So you do not have to like do the kumquats and you don't have to do, you know, sort of like pick your favorite fruits within there. I won't do the kumquats. Yeah, it's like ridiculous. She's no. she's extra. But it's a good base Pick your pleasure within it. It's a good one. Okay, Martha Stewart, mold wine, uh, particularly It'll when be you on have the a cold. All right, yes. Bill? Uh, I want to endorse the 14th Amendment. It's a really, really great amendment, one of my favorites. Um, I also want, if if someone is interested in taking something on, uh, there's a great new one-volume history of the United States uh, from Columbus to Trump by Jill Lepore, uh, who is also a writer for uh, New Yorker magazine. It's called These Truths. And uh, it's big. It's it is taking something on. It's it's a tome. It's like a thousand pages, and she her, basically her main approach is the the distance between American rhetoric and American realities. And I think that's a really great lens to put it on things and to really kind of investigate that idea of the truth as we are living through the times that we're living through, and to provide some context for that. 
All right. I was also trying to figure out what you could uh, watch after you've finished watching Bodyguard. Um, it, it seems as though everything that the Harlan Coben, yeah, <laughs> you could watch the Bodyguard. That's another thing you could do. Uh, it seems that uh, everything Harlan Coben ever wrote is being adapted for Netflix. Safe is not very good, but the Five, uh, which is a Harlan Coben project and has some of the same kinds of kind of traditious, tr- tr- terrific, interesting British actors that that, that we like at times, uh, is um, a very good mystery about a kid who disappears very young and then seems to come back uh, in adulthood. I won't say anything more about that. Okay, another sort of um, guilty, so it's it's called The Five, it's on Netflix. Um, Another sort of guilty British pleasure. This is kind of a stupid book and I'm going to recommend that you in particular um, experience uh, it um, through uh, the Audible, if you have Audible, if you have audible.com. It's called Behind Her Eyes. It's a suspenseful, suspenseful psychological thriller. It's by Sarah Pinborough. Uh, and I really would recommend the Audible version. They use multiple narrators. Once again, some terrific British voice talents. This is not in any way a serious work of literary fiction. Um, it has a gimmicky ending. Uh, but uh, I, loved, I loved the voice work that was done on the Audible version anyway. And I just kind of enjoyed going back to those people as I made my way through it. And then, because I have a little extra time, and I'm also watching uh, Haunting a Hill House, which I yeah, think is sort too. of about, I think I it's like kind it. of about families that, yeah. that don't get along. It's not more really about <laughs> ghosts. It's, <laughs> just, it's more about like the Thanksgiving yeah. dinner you're going to have where half the people are Trump voters. Or like everybody has like <laughs> and a, grief. kind of a different version of reality. I'm, I'm not, I haven't quite been won over. But it, of course, has a veteran of Game of Thrones in it too. So um, I am gonna, I'm going to re-endorse something I endorsed a long time ago. Because it still works and because people continue to poop. Uh, it's called Poo-Pourri. Uh, oh, it is, so you, good. Poo-Pourri is good, right? I second that. <laughs> so good. I feel so much less lonely now that you say it. It's almost like you came into my hotel room where I was all by myself and sprayed some poopery in my toilet. Have you done the so, squatty potty with I've your poopery? I have done the squatty potty. So what poopery is, you spray this. You, the thing is it requires a certain amount of planning. planning. It's like true. If you're... If you're <laughs> If you're like, oh, so Wolfie likes it. Wolfie likes uh, poopery. So, um, I am just sitting here with a bewildered look on my face for everyone out there who can't see me. Right. So, so you have to, if you're in a rush, it's not going to work. You have to grab the poopery. You have to spray it like six times over the surface tension of the water in your toilet. And then uh, as your uh, number two goes in there, it dives down <laughs> beneath the surface of the poopery and it's sealed in there and so this lovely fragrance fills your bathroom and the smelly poop. Is I not. thought it was weird when you endorsed me undies. Yeah. But you have outdone yourself yeah. today, <laughs> sir. Yeah, ask Tanisha. This ask is Tanisha. the strangest it's, it's thing I've it's, ever it, heard it's of. A really, it, actually, it actually works, too. It, it works. doesn't seem like it would work. Yeah. But it actually does work exactly we the way We have they say a bathroom, a, like a small bathroom off of the kitchen, off of in the, on the main floor of the house. Mm. It is a necessary thing because you've got guests, Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. Got to sometimes give them the poopery, give them the directions. All right. We have to go now. (laughs) So glad we had this conversation. Uh, We have to go now. Wow, that's really landing the plane. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. It's not expensive either. But, yeah, it beats, you know, sitting down there prairie dogging waiting for everybody to leave. All right. We have to go. We really have to go now. 